When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Hey, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, of course, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston and sign up today. Don't do that, though, if you are in college and under 21 and potentially have a chance to go to the NFL. Don't do that. Don't do it. Only do it if you're over 21 and you're legally creating one. And especially don't do it if you're going to fake your name. If you're going to fake it and you're going to create a fake account, maybe don't do it with your full name and your jersey number. I'm just, you know, you know, just a pro tip for you guys out there. If you are planning on breaking the law, don't do it with your full name and jersey number. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hope you're all smart enough to either not break the law or if you do it and not get caught. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that's. The Keishan Booty news, if you haven't heard, uh, somehow, if you're under a rock, Keishan Booty apparently um, lied and created a fake account, well, a real account, but under a fake name, um, which was his name, but pretended to be 21 and made like 9,000 bets. First of all, can I just tell you, now, I don't know how much he gambled. I don't know how much money he put in, but he took out like $600,000. So, like... Maybe Keishan Booty should retire from the NFL and become, you know, a uh, become like a gambling like expert. Gambler. He could be. Listen, there's a spot here. We are famously bad at gambling. There's a spot here on this podcast for Keishan Booty, and we will split the money with him, like ninety. Just give us like ten percent, like ninety ten. Yeah, yeah. Just come on the show. Yeah. I'm sure CLNS <laughs> will pay you, right? Come on the show. CLNS will pay you. Just give us a 10% if you're cut. Insider and, and gambling. And you're our guy, a gambling insider. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's no brainer. Yeah. Man, that is, uh, and the so school stupid. knew, they said, I believe the school knew back in July. That's what they, that the was way, the word, yeah. I don't know. I, I tend to think at least some people around the locker room probably knew before that because. I don't believe that an NFL, not NFL, a, a star college athlete bets hundreds of thousands of dollars and doesn't tell any of his teammates. Like I just right. don't believe that's what's going on. Right. And if his teammates know, you know, he's got enough of a reputation that some of the coaches have an idea what's going on. Hundred percent. And this is the the way things went with Booty declaring for the draft was so bizarre because he announced that he was returning to LSU, and within like. 48 hours announced actually i'm going to the draft and that never happens if the school wants you to come back right so you put you put all of these things together and it's uh 
a concerning picture around what he was coming out and makes you wonder what NFL teams knew, uh, if they knew this was going on, or at least if they knew he had a reputation. But, right. um, you know, the Patriots made as many picks as they did, and they got a good receiver out of this draft. So I don't think it hurts the Patriots too much. But having two straight drafts with somebody getting arrested is really not the streak we're going for right now. Not, not ideal. Not ideal. So, and it's, you know, I, I do think it's a six-round pick. Like, you knew going into it, it was a shot in the dark. You know, and you looked at it and just said, like, hey, probably not going to be anything, but he put up crazy numbers his rookie year, looked really good in practice, had the all-time receiving record for yards in a game at LSU, where places with, like, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were there. And let's just see. Right, and Odell Beckham. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see, right? Sixth round, look what that – what do you get to lose, right? And it seems as though he's not going to be on the team anymore. Um, but like, you know, whatever you lost a six round pick out of it. You know what I mean? Well, I think it'll all depend on how the case plays out too. Because this like it's not and the the Jack Jones thing was similar in the regard that like they're not neither are dangerous crimes, neither on its own is necessarily some heinous immoral act. True. Um, true. So you know, he he might get cut, he might not. I'm gonna the the Patriots kind of put out a, a statement saying nothing earlier today. On right. this one, so we'll wait and see. But I also think anybody who's projecting the roster for this team, when I mean, you're projecting a fifth, a way too early 53 man roster right now, Keishon Booty is not on that. That's correct. Year without things changing with his play on the field anyway, so it was already an uphill climb for him. And at this point, it's an uphill climb for him to be on the roster in May. We're going to start there and see if he'll be on the roster in May. And I hope he figures it out. Um, and you know for. For a guy who had off-field concerns coming out of college, this is not what he needed. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. And so, you know, and look, it is what it is. Uh, someone, yeah, Gary asked, and that already answered him, but Gary asked, has he been suspended yet? He has not been suspended. No, nothing has, um, nothing's come out about it officially, but yeah. it's not a good look. It doesn't look good. But I don't know exactly where the NFL's purview falls here either, because this is a it's I mean, it's obviously illegal things and he's there's a felony charge in yeah the, the, the stuff for him, but he didn't do any of this in the NFL, as far as I can tell, it all happened pre-NFL. Correct. So if you're the NFL, you may look at this and say, Hey, this isn't our problem, you know, right. we'll have a little system handle it and go from there. And um I also don't because it was serious amounts of money. I don't know how how Louisiana is going to handle this. Like, there's a felony charge in there, and this is one of those things that, you know, I, I kind of doubt they're going to pursue that harshly. They may just go for a plea deal here and say, "Do do not do this again." But they can pursue this aggressively, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a state does, especially a state like Louisiana with uh, high end college athletics, may want to set a standard early of this is unacceptable mm-hmm. and. We have these laws for a reason. We do not want these college athletes who uh, donors in our state are paying millions of dollars to have come play for our school, then turning around and spending that money to gamble on our school. Keishon Booty was literally gambling on his own lines. Yeah. Uh, and he gambled on the over and produced the under, unfortunately for him. Well, but yeah. it's how it goes sometimes. So it wouldn't shock me to see the state go pursue higher charges and really prosecute this to the fullest extent. We will see, but I'm sure if this ends up in any actual prison time for him whatsoever, he's not going to stay in New England because there's no reason to keep him around at that point. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but um, 
it doesn't look good, especially for a guy who really had a tough time kind of doing anything this year, right? So, um, yeah, for and it's funny too because after the first game, we kind of felt decent about him, and that yeah. was essentially his best game of the season. You know, what, really what was his, did he did he did he have a catch this year? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. did um, he had Maybe one. He, so he might have had a catch, right? Did he have a catch at some point? Se- seven targets, two catches, 19 yards. He had a catch at the Giants and a catch against the Colts. And that's yeah, that was go. it for him. Yep. He had four targets against the Eagles and three targets for the rest of the season. Right. Uh, Couldn't get his foot down twice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the, I, I think back to the, I think it was the old Tom Brady documentary in the Brady 6 one, where they talk about how. You know, everybody gets an opportunity in the NFL, but sometimes that opportunity is very, very thin, and you make a bad play, and your opportunity is gone, and that's it. And right. that could be it for Booty. That the four targets in his first game and not getting his foot down. That was that was one of the quarterbacks who was drafted before Brady. You mentioned that getting like one start in the NFL, and that was it for him. And, yeah. Yeah. To what Giovanni Camazzi? Um, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know if he knows that documentary exists. Uh, that's a good point. Great point. So, all right. So let's get into, let's get into the coaching stuff, which is what we want to really get into today, um, is the coaching carousel in the NFL. Of course, mm-hmm. the big news coming out today was that Raheem Morris just got hired as the Atlanta Falcons head coach. Of course, that's the only place, um, that's the only place that Bill Belichick has interviewed as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, so they didn't, they did not hire him. Um, you know, it's, it's confusing to me. It's confusing to me. Um, Raheem Morris, I saw a few people were excited about Raheem Morris getting hired there. Uh, Panthers did hire their head coach as well. Um, and we're going to kind of go around and talk about it, but you know, I'm curious to, to, to see what you think about it. I, I just, I don't Raheem Morris. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I like it because he's both young and experienced. Like he's he's 47. Um, and he's been in Atlanta before. He was actually the interim head coach in Atlanta just a couple of years ago. We've been around the NFL. He's been a defensive coach and an offensive coach. He has really good connections because of that. He like he was in Washington, I think, when like McVay and McDaniel and all those guys were there. He was just on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, he's been in LA uh, opposite McVay, and sounds like you got a guy who is widely regarded as a good leader of men, and he has really good coaching connections to bring people in. It also did sound like there were some issues there with the front office in Atlanta with you know, getting on the same page about where to go next. And I think this is a hire who kind of fits in that in a way some of the other ones won't, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. Um, I I do like the hire for them. And I think the fact that he's likely coming with Zach Robinson as well as the offensive coordinator, which, you know, hurts up here in New England a little bit, makes that really good for them because they got an offensive line that's ready to run that kind of system with Chris Lindstrom there and, um, some of those offensive weapons, I think you're going to get put to very good use there if they can find a quarterback and the defensive head coach primarily who knows defensive backs and Jesse Bates is the strength there. And they have a, the Falcons had a defense that has quietly come on as a very solid unit. And now you add a defensive head coach, who I think can take advantage of that. And I don't think it's a hire that like is super sexy or, or knocks the doors off, 
but I'm also, you know, it doesn't really matter if you win the press conference. It doesn't matter if you're the, the Adam Schefter, you know, hired coach announcement that gets the most likes. Uh, it matters if the guy can win. And I think he's got a nice resume that I, I think I see what they're going for here. Yeah. No, you know what? I, I get it. Um, I get it. I just, I don't know. I don't, I just never thought he was very good when he was in Tampa and maybe, maybe some new experience will help him and he'll be better than he was. I also think, so I don't want to, I don't want to go down a conspiracy theory hole. I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but I am, I am going to pull up one and I forgot to, I forgot to hear this. Old man mob. So, I just I think it's a little strange. By the way, he says, in my opinion, Kraft is setting Bill and now Mayo to to be the fall guys. I think it's a little strange that Raheem Morris gets hired, and okay, Morris gets hired. That's great, awesome. Now they had a CEO. They're not they're not going directly to the CEO, and I'm not sure if you saw this one or not, but they're not yeah. reporting directly to the CEO. They're reporting directly to the owner. Yeah. And that's that's interesting to me. I just I just don't know, right? Does Robert Kraft say something to Arthur Blank like, man, Bill is a pain in the ass to deal with, and well, the, you don't want to deal with him? And I don't the, know, but I, I don't know. All the, all the reports that I had heard about Atlanta were that Arthur Blank is the one who wanted Belichick, and it was the other guys in the front office who were not sold on the idea. I think I think they also just you know have had issues figuring out what they want, and they Arthur Blank's kind of setting the tone here and saying, "No, oh, this is how things are going to go, and this is the this is right. the order of operations here." You know, letting everybody know who's in charge. Um, yeah, maybe. But I do like. Yeah. Raheem Morse is an underwhelming name. I didn't think that highly of him a couple of years ago, but it's clear, at least from the impressions of people around the league, that his time in L.A. has helped his voice and um, refreshed him. I also completely forgot, you know, he's known as a defensive coach. That's how he came up. That's what he was in Tampa. That's what he was in Washington. He was in Atlanta. He was the pass game coordinator and wide receivers coach for that Atlanta team that ended up going to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. So... Good offensive stuff there from him. So, you know, there's some good stuff. Like his time in Tampa, I just didn't didn't love. But I do think it's for Atlanta, it's a name that's familiar and a guy they know who also has the ties to an offensive system that everybody wants in their building these days. Right after they got rid of a guy who, you know, was known for an offensive system, didn't deliver on it. So it seems like that's that they're going for the, all right, we're going to go for a different offensive system here, but the guy who has those connections. And, you know, I see – I see what Atlanta is going for with Raheem Morris and yeah. talk about the Bill Belichick of it all. I'm going to, I had tweeted this earlier, but I think both of the things I'm about to say are true. First, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time and he's got the rings to prove it. I don't really feel like I have to elaborate too much on that argument. We all know why. Right. I also would be very skeptical of hiring him if he's a 72 year old head coach coming off of, Probably uh, the worst season he's had as a head coach in over two decades, who is saying that he wants GM control of your team. And he's probably bringing Josh McDaniels with him, a guy who just lost his job in Las Vegas. 
And maybe he wants to bring Matt Patricia with him, a guy who we've all seen the issues with Matt Patricia over the last decade. Um, if you're a GM, that's a lot. There's a lot of baggage there. And obviously, it's Bill Belichick. And you don't want to turn down Bill Belichick. But Bill, Bill Belichick with a lot of strings attached on a short window versus, you know, in the theory, Raheem Morris. When you hire him, you're thinking this can be our guy for 20, 30 years. And he can right. be our Bill Belichick, and you know. Um well, and you listen, so, you're not yeah, you're not wrong. I just I just wonder. I wonder with Bill, like, is he that stubborn that he's like, I need all the control, I need Josh Badaniels, I need Matt Patricia. Like I just I feel like if he went in there and they said, Look, we'd love to hire you, but we need someone else with a little checks and balances. Right? I, I think that that he'd be foolish not to at least consider that. In my opinion, I also think too, like if he, if he said, well, I want, you know, McDaniels and and Patricia and they said, well, we'll hire you, but we're not hiring McDaniels and Patricia too. Then I think that's another one where he looks at it and says, I I don't know, man, like, fine. Hey guys, I love you, but like, I'm going to go somewhere else and try to win, you know? Yeah. Well, I I do also think part of this is like, Belichick is 72 years old and a lot of the people that he coached already have successful jobs elsewhere. Right. Um, he's, he's not like, he doesn't have that big of a pool to work with in terms of potential coaches who are going to work under him because most of the guys who work under him have uh, rather gone out of the league doing stuff or already have successful jobs in other places and aren't going to leave those for this. And that's why it's kind of got to be like McDaniels and Patricia type of thing. And like, you're not, Let's say it's not them, and it's okay. You can hire any offensive coordinator you want. Yeah, maybe Zach Robinson comes there, but how many offensive coordinators are going to want a job where you know it's a short gig, two or three years probably before he retires? And you're Bill Belichick. It's kind of an awkward position because you have worked now for over two decades with guys who know what you like and what your style is, know your whole infrastructure, and guys you're comfortable with. And now suddenly you're you're going to learn new tricks. And you're going to hire somebody who's never worked with you before, who you've no relationship with, and try to make that work. Um, it's a lot to ask. That's a, yeah. and it's not. It's not like some of the younger coaches where it's, hey, yeah, we don't know each other, but we're going to be here for four years together, and we'll figure it out. And we're both young and all that. It's a very different mentality. So, um, it's an it's an awkward position to be in for sure. Yeah. Yep. So. I know, and we know, Ed, we know that you're that you hate Belichick. I get it. It's okay. It's all right. I, I know that the here's the problem that I have. The problem that I have is this. I understand, right? I understand that people belittle other people, right? That they that they talk about, okay, you know, so and so and I get it. I understand, right? You didn't like the guy, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Fine. That that's okay. My issue is that, and, and the re- the only real reason, look, here here's the way you don't see the truth. It's okay, but here here's the big thing for me, right? Here's the real issue for me. I don't care about Bill Belichick. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. He could retire right now. He's the goat, right? I tweeted this out about about Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, whatever the hell his name is, Jay Stew, whatever you want to call him. Earlier, I don't care about Bill Bill Belichick. He's the goat. Period. Full stop. Doesn't matter. What I care about are morons that can't appreciate the fact that Belichick is the GOAT. 
That's it. He's the GOAT. Yeah. It's the way it is. Because here's the thing, right? And we can make the arguments, and you can talk about this, and you can talk about that. And, well, you know, this guy got there, and this guy did this, and this guy did that. I'm sorry, dude. 01, 03, 04. You cannot tell me that was Tom Brady. You can't. You cannot well, tell well, me that was Tom Brady. And that's three right there. Now, give me another Give me another coach that's gotten three. Andy Reid has two. Could have a third. Maybe. He has Patrick Mahomes, right? Who did Patrick Mahomes lose to? Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yeah. Right? So, like, so this is the type of stuff where Peyton Manning, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, couldn't get by Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. Did Peyton Manning play Tom Brady? Was Tom Brady on the field when Peyton Manning was on the field? Because I don't think he was. I'm, I'm fairly certain, at least, that he wasn't. You know who was on the field was the defense that was being controlled by Bill Belichick. So those are the things. That's that's the problem for me. That's the problem that I have, right? And and people will talk about the modern era. And, and Ed's right. People talk about the modern era, and he, you know, and he doesn't like this, and he won't change, and he's resistant to this, and he's resistant to that, and so on and so forth. But like the decision making that he's made, and and you know the coaching decisions, the in game adjustments. I mean, I'm the 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 Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl. That's one of the greatest moves in the history of the NFL. In the history of the NFL, him not calling a timeout. And they had scouted and prepped too. Right. Which is like, like forget, we're talking about in-game decision-making. Forget that. The scouting and the prep that he had his team ready for was ridiculous. And it's, you know, there's... We could we, one of the things that always gets brought up when you talk about like you know it's Tom Brady the goat, which some people have made the discussion again, and like I've said on here, I'm not entertaining that discussion. Yeah. But what people will say is, "Oh, wins aren't a quarterback step." Well, you know, wins are a head coach step. Wins right. are a general manager step. For mm-hmm. 23 years, 24 seasons, whatever it was, Bill Belichick was the guy in charge of the outcomes for New England Patriots football as a manager and a head coach. Right. And in that time. You know, they won a record number of Super Bowls and went to the eighth straight AFC championship games and he picked the rosters and he coached the guys up and, um, you know, just right. that run alone. And that's not even talking about his time as a defensive coordinator or the things he did before New England where he also showed he was excellent. Or some of the, you know, his, a lot gets talked about with the Bill Belichick tree of like, oh my God, everybody that comes from this guy stinks. Take a look at front offices around the NFL. Go pull up like the 2010 Patriots Wikipedia page and look at the front office and then just notice how the link for every single one of those names is blue and you can click on it and all those guys went elsewhere to have successful jobs. His right. front office legacy is ridiculous. You go back to his time in, in Cleveland, it was on his staff, Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach right. of all time. Ozzie Newsom, who is now one of the, became one of the greatest general managers of all time. Yeah, He has a fantastic legacy of personnel and coaches and front office guys coming from him. Drafting players to become exceptional coaches, we've seen a lot now. Uh, people talk about his tree a lot because he has a ton of coaches coming from his tree because he's coached for a long time, and people want the fruits of a tree that produces that much fruit. There's going to be a lot of bad apples when that happens, but and that's a, the way it goes. He, he's the greatest to ever do it. He's got second most wins ever, six Super Bowls as a head coach, two more as a coordinator. You're not, yeah. you're not being that. Well, and let's and let's be clear about this because I I want to be clear about this too because I don't want to swing too far either way, right? I, people need to understand Bill Belichick would not have six Super Bowls without Tom Brady. Tom Brady would not have six Super Bowls of seven, but 
he would not have the six he got with the Patriots, and I believe he wouldn't have seven without Tom Brady. And so, without Bill Belichick, I'm sorry. And so, they're tied together, right? He's a coach. Bill Belichick's a coach. He's an extremely good coach. But even the best coaches can't win with bad talent. It just, it, it's not possible. And he picked the talent. <laughs> right, right. And so, he picks the guys and, on the team. Correct. And so, here's the problem, right? Here's the problem. The issue that I have is that when you look at it, you look at this situation and you say, okay, well, he hasn't he hasn't hit on his talent evaluation in the last seven years. And that is undeniably true. I think anyone that looks at what he's done with talent evaluation, 100%, that's totally true. But again, that doesn't discount what he did for the 20 years before that, right? And that that's where that's where I start to get frustrated is people just are have that recency bias and they think, well, he sucks because he doesn't win Super Bowls without Tom Brady. And it's like, no, you need really good players, right? When you lose Brady and you lose Gronk and you lose Edelman and you lose Amendola and you lose like, you know, and go down the list and you lose Hightower and then you lose McCordy and then you like – they lost all of their good players at once. All of them left at once. They all left. Yeah, and, and so what, of course you're left with nothing. Well, and I think people focus way too much on the fact that they didn't replace those guys fast enough, and not enough on the fact that they had a similar exodus in the years you know between 2004 and 2009, 2010, basically. Yeah. Um, of the early dynasty guys, and the fact that they were able to replace those guys, and you know, arguably have an even better run in the 2010s than they did in the 2000s is wild. The fact they're able to go three and four years and a perfect season in the first half of that and follow yeah. it up with, you know, the the unanimous MVP performance in Brady that they were able to put together in 2010 and uh, a whole bunch of number one seeds and eight straight, I believe it was eight straight AFC championship game appearances. Well, and yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Going to four, four Super Bowls in five years, and you win three of them. Uh, all of that after you lost all of your leaders, except for Tom Brady from the early dynasty, is a remarkable feat. We also yeah. we talk about the drafting. I know that like Bill hasn't been great recently, but there is this graphic put out. I don't know if you saw it. Arjun Menon, I, I'm definitely not saying your name correctly, so I apologize about that, who's a fantastic. Uh, follow on Twitter. He's a, a data guy. Uh, anybody knows what the big data bowl is? It's a whole I think convention thingy for football people to do, create data projects to show different things. That's what what he participates in. But he um, he put together a graphic this week that was actually about Tom Telesco, the the former GM of the Chargers who just got hired by the Raiders to look at drafting history. It was. All teams drafting since 2013 based on the like percentile outcome for each pick. The Chargers with Tom Pelesco were fourth from the bottom. The New England Patriots, they're at the top. The best right. drafting team since 2013. That's with a lot of the bad drafts. We'll forget yeah. you know, how many really good drafts there were and how good they have been at hitting at late round picks in that span. Um, so, right. yeah, and it's I think I think I think it's both true that Bill Belichick his time was up in New England and it's fair for teams to not hire him now and also that he's still been a very 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 good GM and coach for the last decade you know the whole modern NFL thing doesn't I don't get that because yeah. you know he was the modern NFL in 07 when he brought air raid principles to the NFL and saw a vision for Wes Welker 
and made that happen. He was the modern NFL creating the two tight end offense in 2010 yeah. and making yeah. that work for three seasons that took the NFL by storm. And it was essentially an unstoppable offense there for, for three seasons. Right. He, he was the modern NFL in 2016 and 2017, the offenses that they put together then. And he was the modern NFL in 2018 when he stopped, you know, the revolutionary offense of the NFL of the last decade, really, in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he knows how to coach in the modern NFL. I think it's just sometimes guys get old and yeah. aren't the absolute greatest thing in the world for forever. There's a shelf life on things and right. you run out of adjustments. Yeah, and I think so that that's the thing for me. And that's what really pisses me off is, is when he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And again, no one should be saying it was all Bill and no Brady. No one should have been saying that from the beginning. Right? There were people at the beginning that were saying that. And it's funny because the national narrative has changed so much. The national narrative used to be Tom Brady's a system quarterback and he's only good because of Bill Belichick and blah, 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 blah. Then he leaves and wins his championship somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, they still want to hate on the Patriots. So, oh, Bill Belichick was never good and it was only always Tom Brady and blah, blah, blah. And so it's just funny how the narrative has changed. And so it's like, well, we fought for Brady for years. We fought for Brady, right? And now... Everyone's like, yeah, no, Brady's the GOAT still. Well, Mahomes is coming, and Mahomes is the GOAT. Oh, God, that drives me nuts. But yeah. And we won't, and you're right, Matt. I'm sorry we won't talk about it. But, but you know, now it was just Brady and no Belichick. And it's like, no, that's not right either. Like, it's it's both. It has to be both. That's the way it goes, right? And it just it drives me crazy. And I, I heard Nick Wright talking about Nick Wright. I shouldn't listen to anything Nick Wright says. But he's like, how come – Tom Brady and Bill Belichick both get a hundred percent of the credit, and then they're the greatest. And it's like, what? What are you even? What are you even talking about? Like, it doesn't. Yeah. Those are the things that don't make sense to me. And it's like, especially if you want to make the the Patrick Mahomes argument. Patrick Mahomes is Andy Reid, who's probably the second best coach in the modern era. So, so it's, it's like fantastic, you yeah. know. So it's like you can't say, well, Brady had Belichick. Well. He had Reed. Like, what are we talking about here? You know, he made four yeah. straight uh, NFC Championship games with Donovan McNabb at quarterback. So, like, he's pretty good. Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, the whole thing is so reductive, too, because we're talking about NFL organizations with coaching staffs with, like, 15 people, 20 people on them. Right. And yeah. front offices with another 15, 20 or whoever. But you want to get a roster of 53 plus the practice squad and all the guys who come in and out during the season. So it's going to be way more than that number. Yeah. Um, and all the staff behind that. So, you know, if your argument is that if either Bill Belichick or Tom Brady had any other successful people around them that it invalidates your success, you just don't know the sport. Right. It's a team sport with where the teams, like 100 people large at the end of the day. If you think that you're winning Super Bowls with only two of those people being good, I don't know what you've been watching for the last couple of decades. Yeah, that's not it possible. takes a full... It takes a full effort from everybody. So not invalidating it by saying he had good people around him. And it's why, you know, Brady and Belichick are each 100%. They did exactly what they were asked for a very long time and made it work. You don't get the success you get without them and all of the other people who came in and did what they did. Uh, you can you can, you can can recognize the greatness of one without taking away from the greatness of any of the other people who were involved in winning six Super Bowls in a however many year window that was. Right. I agree. I agree. And Gary will not kick anyone out as long as people are entitled to their opinion, even if they're terrible, as long as they're not being rude, uh, they're entitled to their opinion. So uh, anyway, so so do you think 
because we're going to get into the into the rest of the hirings around the NFL around the NFL this year. But do you think that Belichick will be a head coach in twenty twenty four? Not in the NFL. I don't know, maybe he goes to college or something. But okay. um, there's two jobs left. Washington reportedly has already decided they don't want him. And the only other option is Seattle. And Seahawks just kind of pushed a successful coach out the front door, too, because they thought he was too old and they were ready for something new. You know, not getting rid yeah. of Pete Carroll for Bill Belichick if age is your concern. So, you know, unless somebody else he is younger. Him, <laughs> but who? Uh, I don't think any, I don't think any of these teams in the uh, championship games were getting rid of their head coaches either. So, uh, unless the Bills say, "Yeah, we're getting rid of Sean McDermott a week after the game, so we can hire Bill Belichick," I think I think this is it. I think this might be potentially a sad ending, getting pushed into retirement. Essentially, so I, I'm really I'm really interested um, in in kind of where it goes it's i'm fascinated with kind of um how it, so how it plays out, it, right yeah. and well you know what's interesting to me is that adam Schefter was it Schefter? Schefter or Rappaport reported that no maybe it was i don't know who it was doesn't matter it might have even been florio i don't know um but that you know there were multiple teams that have looked into or have discussed the, the possibility of Bill Belichick being your head coach, at least one of them with a current head coach on there, maybe so what's Florio head says, at least one of those teams with a head coach still employed. Um, and so maybe it's a team like the Giants. That was, that was a couple of weeks ago, right? Or was that no, no, he, he reported that like yesterday. Uh, yesterday or two days ago he reported that. So. So I, it seems, I know, I know he's fan fiction Florio, but it does, it does seem, to, I mean, it seems like a possibility at least. What if you're a team that was sitting there saying, yeah, we'll hire Belichick and, but you're thinking, well, he's going to go to Atlanta. Well, then Atlanta doesn't hire him. And now you're sitting there saying, man, I mean, like if you're the Giants, like now the Giants, I mean, maybe probably aren't going to be good anyways. Like, and you're in a tough division and you're kind of tied to Daniel Jones. But, like, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see where that goes. Now, Adam Schefter has talked about Andy Reid retiring and maybe him taking over there. I don't see that happening. I, I guess yeah. it's possible. I don't see that happening, though. Theory, but... uh, well, I think it would be fascinating if he retired, if they lose on Sunday and he retires, and then Belichick. That would be interesting. I don't know, but that, you know. Yeah. It's one of the, when it's like the Giants just don't make any sense for him, I don't think, because they're stuck with no. Daniel Jones for at yeah. least another season. And right. it's Bill trying to do it all in like one or two seasons after that and going through a rebuilding year there. Uh, Kansas City makes sense in theory. that would be a team set up for a Super Bowl run needing a head coach. I think the issue there is um, they, I think the coaching staff there has a good relationship with Mahomes and yeah. kind of building around that. And I also think, you know, if you're the Chiefs, and you're looking for a new head coach. If Eric Bieniemy is interested, you know you can bring him right back if you wanted as a yeah. head coach, a guy who's been in the building and knows what's going on. Um, so I don't, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, in the next couple of weeks, the Chiefs in that scenario are the only other landing spot that would make sense. And I don't really see that happening. So I think I think this is it for Bill. I think. Um, like I said, it's kind of sad to kind of get forced out of New England and everybody there, you know, what is that, two, three weeks ago was talking about, you know, we fully expect Bill to keep coaching and 
I look forward to, to recognizing him once he's done with his coaching career. And by the end of the month, his coaching career is done. That yeah. Was, that was well, I also, I wouldn't put it past him to go to, to go to TV for a year and then come back. You know what I mean? I don't, I, think, I, I don't know if he would do that. But if age but, is your concern. Now, yeah, of course, of course. But if you're a team that, that, you know, sees him and hears him and, you know, and he has that enthusiasm and talks about the game and understands it and so on and so forth. And you look at it and you're not happy with your coach and things don't work out. You know, like, see, da- like what I don't understand is what the hell is Dallas doing? Like Dallas is insane to me. It- it's completely insane. And it's all because of Jerry Jones' ego. Jerry Jones doesn't want to give up control to Bill Belichick is really what it is. Well, because also, there's no explanation. You can't tell me that Mike I, McCarthy I, is – a third of the coach of Bill Belichick. Well, I think the issue there is that um, Jerry Jones, for his despite his reputation, has always been a pretty forgiving guy with his head coaches. He will like regularly let them play out contracts, even if there's questions about yeah. what they should do. And you know, there's a certain conservativeness in the decision making too. Mike McCarthy is young enough, and though the, the the Cowboys had a good season this past season, Mike McCarthy genuinely did a good job for most of the season. And, you know, if you're the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy goes somewhere else and brings that same success with him because you want to hire Bill Belichick and things then look in Dallas a lot like they looked in New England in the last couple of years and you're an owner and you're like, wow, I just gave away what could be another decade of good coaching from Mike McCarthy for three years of this. Um, yeah. Because the age, the age of Belichick isn't necessarily that he's out of touch or, you know, that he doesn't have his enthusiasm. It's that he literally, I don't think, is going to be coaching for that many more years. And I think most owners, when they make a hire, envision it as a, this is a guy who will be here for the next decade if it goes right type of thing. And it's, it's a tough sell. I and mean, this is the difference between Brady and Belichick. Brady, you're getting a guy who's a football player and he's on a contract. And every time he signs a contract, it's you're expecting him for that many years. And you see one-year deals, you see seven-year deals. Coaches, you hire them. You expect that this guy's here as long as it goes well. And it's going to be for a decade, hopefully. It's very rare you hire a coach with the expectation that this guy's going to be here for two years. So it's just not a dynamic that really exists much. And owners aren't, owners have a harder time buying into that than a GM does into we're going to get this player for two years. Yeah. No, I, you're not wrong about that. I just – it is interesting to me – when you look at like what's going to, how's it going to transpire? I guess that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. And I, I don't know. I still think, man, if you're going for broke, I, I get it. I understand Mike McCarthy is in theory, a good coach, but like you're trying to win a freaking championship. I mean, you have to understand now, you have to understand now the Dallas Cowboys last played in the NFC championship game in 1991. 1991. It's a long well, ass. That first year as a head coach when he was in Cleveland. Or had he I believe so. Yeah, I think I think 91. That sounds right. Because uh, 94, he won in the playoffs against uh, oh, against yeah. the Patriots. The Patriots. Yeah, I think it was 91 was his first year. But it's just like the Cowboys. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. The Cowboys suck in the playoffs every single year, every year. And again, it's been like that for you know 30 years. And so, you know, for me, if I'm if I'm Jerry Jones and I'm talking about actually winning, I'm putting my money where my mouth is and saying, "All right, let's go, Bill. Let's go. Let's go win a damn championship." And you know what? 
if we if we go two three years without winning a championship, that sucks, and we made a mistake. But you know, we did everything we could to get there, and I I just don't think Jerry has it in him to do that. Well, the interesting thing here is that Mike McCarthy has one year left on his contract. So right. Bill does say, I'm going to go do TV for a year. Yeah, maybe after that year. That is, I think, the only spot I look at and say, hey, if this doesn't work out. But I think, does Dak only have one year left on his deal? And I think CD only has one year left on his deal. Yeah, those guys so are coming up. Yeah, which, I mean, that's another thing. Dak, for as good a quarterback as he's been, um, and you know he's an MVP finalist this year. He's a really good quarterback all season long, coming up small in the playoffs, and he's getting mm-hmm. older now. And how much money do you want to give him? He's going to be commanding a lot of money because he's a good quarterback. Which, right. uh, side note here, um, you know, the Patriots don't draft a quarterback this year or wait until the second round or third round or whatever. If they don't, if they kind of take a year off investing at the position and build around the team. You go to free agency next year, and Dak Prescott is available. That's a quick way to upgrade that position. And, you know, Dak Prescott, Marvin Harrison Jr. and fixing the tackle situation in 2025 doesn't sound so bad to me. Right. Right. And you're not wrong about that. And so we'll see. That that brings us to a a whole other conversation. We got to talk about that. But um, but anyways. Should we do a a break and then come back? Let's do a break. We'll talk about coaching stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about the coaching hires around the league and and kind of how it pertains to the Patriots. Uh, I think that we talked about the Raheem Morris thing and how – you know, Zach, Zach Robinson seems – no, he's not a shoe-in necessarily, but seems like he's going to go with Raheem Morris to Atlanta instead of coming to New England, um, which was kind of everyone's preferred preference. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll uh, we'll just – we'll kind of go around the league maybe a little quickly, go around the league, and, and we'll we'll talk a little bit of Patriots before we get out of here because it is a Patriots podcast, so we'll talk a little Patriots before yes. we get out of here. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline.ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, so so let's get around to the NFL. You want to start? I know where you want to start. You want to start in L.A.? Yes. Let's do it. Let's start let's in L.A. It. Yeah, Chargers, so, Chargers bringing in Jim Harbaugh there, which I think was honestly the perfect hire for them. You know, the team that's got the quarterback but that needs a culture reset. How, how many years now, when we talk about the Cowboys, how many years now have the Chargers kind of been a joke for the fact that they'll have talent and they can't do anything with it and – 
they're routinely not a tough team, not a physical team, and they get gashed in the running game. And, and I would know, see the injuries, but they've been a joke now for years on that front. Now you got, you know, a guy who preaches toughness and he was a fantastic leader of men and a great quarterback coach coming in there. I think this is what they needed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, as much as I necessarily didn't want him here, he is, it's hard to deny that he's a very, very good coach. He's going to rub people the wrong way. It's, you know, it's going to be an issue at times. He has a big ego. ego. He's got a bunch of stuff going on, but he's a great coach. And, you know, we, we know Justin Herbert's a very, very good quarterback. I think I'm starting to question how good he is just based on what we've seen. And so, you know, now maybe I think if anyone can get it out of him, it's, it's, it's Jim. And so that's really, that's for me, that's the interesting part. So if Jim can't get it out of him, I think then you start to realize like, well, maybe he's not the guy that we thought he was after all. Well, and I also think that you bring in, it sounds like Jim Harbaugh is kind of getting to pick the GM there. And that's, that was his issue in San Francisco. He and the GM got into a power struggle and didn't get along. And that shouldn't be the case now. It's right. going to be his guy. and He is Very the leader true. of the organization there, um, which will help. And I think I mean, the biggest issue with Herbert there has been, hey, every game they play is – you have a quarterback who can throw the ball 70 yards, but you play every game in like a 20-yard window because nobody Stupid. can stretch the field for you. And Harbaugh is going to help with that. As a Michigan fan who's watched a lot of their games, he's been really good at drawing up you know, play-action concepts to attack down the field. Michigan has not had good receivers – They've had fine guys, but they're all day three picks in the NFL draft. And you know, that made J.J. McCarthy, you know, look decent at times. But with Justin Herbert, who is a superhuman back there in terms of throwing ability and ability to process defenses at times, um, I think you throw him in some of the simpler concepts where you can just let it rip and attack downfield. Um, as long as they get the offensive line that can push in the running game, I think it's going to work for him. Um, I think what I'm intrigued to see there is how a personality like Jim Harbaugh's works with like Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and Derwin James and some of the established leaders defensively. That yes. is going to be interesting. But um, I think that was for what the Chargers need. I think this was the right hire from a culture perspective. I agree. I agree. And again, you talk about talk about a loser franchise, right? I mean, that's a loser yeah franchise and so to get a guy that is just coming off winning a national championship that took San Fran to a Super Bowl you know uh, uh what I guess 12 years ago now at this point but but still you know a guy that's shown that he can win in college and can win in the pros I think that you know that makes a that makes a ton of sense and it may not they may not win a championship it may not work out you know amazingly they do have you know uh they're way over the cap right now. They're going to have to cut a bunch of old players. Yeah. It's To me, it's a complete teardown almost, except for Herbert, really, and some of those guys in you know, on the defense. But, you know. A couple offensive linemen, too. And, yeah, and, and like Zion Johnson and a few other guys on the offensive line, right? But, like, better, yeah. but you're, you're basically redoing that whole team. And Harbaugh has a chance to kind of make it his own with – already with potentially the elite quarterback. And I think that that's kind of, that's what he wanted. And I think it's a perfect setup for him. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but, you know, I'm interested, I'm interested in seeing how that works out, but I think it's a great hire. I really think it was a great hire yeah. by them. Uh, it made a and ton of was, sense. And it made a ton of sense, sense for, for both sides. 
Yep, yeah, exactly. That that I think it was there or Atlanta were the two that made sense to me if you're Jim Harbaugh. And um it's a good spot. Look at to play his brother next year too, which will be interesting. He'll that come to Jordan Stadium. You know, Pat's Chargers are gonna see each other and I think there's a non-zero chance that's an early season game too just like based on how we've seen the schedule play out at times so mm-hmm. um that might be a, an early game for new england so I'm, I'm curious to see you know what the next next moves end up being out there but while we're while we're on the west coast should we talk raiders and what they're doing there yeah, let's do it let's do it that's uh, antonio it. pierce yeah mm-hmm. i I love Antonio Pierce as the hire for the Raiders with how much the guys love him. I hate the Tom Telesco hire <laughs> as GM of the Raiders yeah, because we just talked about the position the Chargers were in, and he's the GM who got the Chargers into that position, and their division rival looked at that and said, yes, please, I'll take that. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. It makes no <laughs> sense to me. And I just don't – I don't know what they were – I just don't know what they were doing. And I know Tom Telesco has, like, you know, I guess a reputation or whatever, but, like – I don't know, does he? He also went out and signed J.C. Jackson, who was terrible for him. And, Not you know, a fit with his then, own defense. That's what I mean. Like, that's the hard thing for me is, like, it's not just the fact that, like, fine, J.C. Jackson struggled a little bit because he can't play in that scheme. How do you not know that he's not a scheme fit for your defense? <laughs> that's insane to me. So that that one to me, um, you know, I don't I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. Um, and so – We'll see how it goes, but they don't have a ton of talent on that team either. And so they have, a, I, I think, a long way to go. We'll see if AOC is the guy there. Um, but I think for right now, you have to roll with him and then just kind of see what you got next year, I guess, right? And then if he sucks, then yeah, you get the, a top draft pick. And if he, and if he, you know, plays well, which we saw him do at times last year, I think that that makes sense. But I don't know. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's Max Crosby and a whole bunch of whole bunch of guys. And Devontae right. Adams. It's those yeah. two. Yeah, two like superstar freak level players. And then the rest of those rosters are just like regular NFL players and nothing special about them. So um yeah, that's a probably a two year, three year rebuild for the Raiders. And the one thing Tom Telesco gets a ton of credit for is drafting Justin Herbert. And I don't really know how much credit you get for a pick like that, but people give it to him. And if, if he's good at drafting quarterbacks, that's what the Raiders need. So that's, I guess the upside, I guess that's the appeal, but um, yeah, yeah, no, well, it's true. And then look, I mean, that's, he does, he does deserve credit for that. Um, you know, because it is one of those things that like, Hey, at the end of the day, right. He did draft the right guy. Now, the thing is, right, and this is kind of it. This is similar. It's not the same, of course, but this is similar to the CJ Stroud Bryce Young debate, right? The Texans get a ton of credit for drafting CJ Stroud, of course, rightfully so. If they're the number one pick, do they take Bryce Young instead of CJ Stroud? No, I don't know the answer to that question. They, of course, will tell you no, they would have taken CJ Stroud. Obviously, they're going to say that. But would they have taken him? I don't know. Would Tom Telesco have taken Tua instead of Justin Herbert? We don't know the answer to that question because Herbert went six and Tua went five. It's possible if LA is at five, they take Tua instead of Herbert. I don't know the answer to that question, right? But nevertheless, it doesn't matter because the pick was made and it is what it is. And so you give him credit for it. That's fine. But it's not as though I deciphered the guys and I went through and I drafted this guy and the, the other guy was higher up than him, but he's paid off. And the guy, it's not, you didn't 
draft circles around people, right? You like you found the guy that was there and you took him. That's fine. There's no other quarterbacks that were anywhere near them, right? Jordan Love was the next guy, which Jordan Love is pretty good right now. But nevertheless, like Jordan Love was the next guy taken. And he got taken at what, 26 or 20, 20 picks later, right? So, yeah. And so that's the thing for me. So I look at it and just say, okay, you know, he deserves the credit. But let's not talk about it like he was like, oh, we were up. You know, we weren't sure. No one really knew. And then he took the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Should we uh, – what other coaching hires do we have on the docket? Uh, we have – we can go down to – well, Tennessee hasn't hired anyone yet. Oh, no, no Tennessee hired Dan yeah. Callahan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Cincinnati offensive coordinator? Yeah, that's a – I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, he's good. He's good. And I think, I think what he gets credit for this year so much is the fact that, you know, Barlow goes down and that offense, although it doesn't stay quite as good as it was, but with a rookie undrafted quarterback looks pretty good, right? Not amazing, but pretty good. The fact that he was able to coach him up that well and have him playing that well. I think that that says a lot about it. Um, and so that to me, I look at that and say like, okay, you know, I, I, I get it. I don't know how much I love the hire, but I understand where they're coming from. It's an out of the box hire, which, uh, again, a lot of this is going to come down to how much faith you have in that Titans right. front office, but I mean, watch with the offense would be common. You know, there's not a ton of talent there, but it did also feel stale that point they might be saying hey we need to refresh with our offensive identity so you know it's hard to judge because it is out of the box it's not unconventional but it's not really one that i didn't seem like they were in on the hot commodities they were looking for something different and time's gonna tell if oh were they looking for something different because there were the power struggle stuff in the front office was real and the gm wanted a younger head coach you could control and reestablish control of the organization or did they find the guy who they just you know, really liked, really thought would work. Right. Um, so I'll let that one play out and see what happens there. And it's an intriguing one. Pats, Pats will play him too. Pats play in uh, in Tennessee, down in Nashville this season. So we'll get a taste of that one, folks. Dad. Yeah. Also, uh, I think I said I may have said Browning was a rookie. He's obviously not a rookie. He's been playing for for a few years, but he never started before this year and, and was an undrafted yeah. player uh, out of Washington when he did come out. So, um, but nevertheless, so I think he gets credit for that, and we'll see. I think I think it's it's an interesting hire. It may not be the best hire, but I think it's an interesting hire. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. So, um, and then the Panthers hired someone. Oh my God! May God have mercy Canales. on this man's soul, Dave Canales. No, this is don't none of that. This is the dream setup for him. Yeah. This man could just get a six-year contract to be a head coach. Quite true. With, a, with an owner who's known to throw around tons of money with probably a nice little buyout in it with no expectations. If mm-hmm. the Panthers are good, this man is a legend. If the Panthers aren't any good, it is not going to hurt his future stock towards becoming right. a head coach because of what that, what that organization looks like. And he's going to get a buyout with a ton of money. And he'll be able to go take that and buy a nice little house for himself and his family. True. So it's a... F- free shot at a head becoming a head coach for a young guy. And it's probably not going to work out because of how bad that organization is. But uh, I like him. I think he's a good hire and maybe he does fix them. Yeah. I do think that that's, that's fascinating. And dad Skywalker saying tag and trade Brian Burns. 
uh, to get a first round pick this year. And that's not a terrible idea. I don't know if I think people would, I think someone would definitely do that. I just don't know. Um, I guess Brian Burns might be might be willing to do. I mean, what difference does it make to Brian Burns, right? If he if he has a one year deal, he has that one year deal. If he signs it and you trade him before the negotiation period is up, he can then negotiate a new deal with the team that you trade him to. So, I suppose you could do that as well. So, I just um, they, they need a lot of help. They have a lot of holes. Yeah, Brian Burns like their one good player left. They have J.C. Horn, who's a very good player, but like. Brian Burns is like their one good player left. <laughs> you trade him to get a first round pick. I'd to me, I'd rather just re-sign the guy. I know you're a long way away, but like he's not the oldest guy. Like I think it's not a bad idea to build around someone. Well, wasn't it rumor the Rams offered two first round picks for him like two seasons ago or something? Because they wanted him to come in, or might have been at the deadline a year and a half ago or something. Uh rumor was the Rams really wanted him and they turned down that trade offer, which Man, you know, yeah, that franchise, I'm sure they wish they had those picks right now instead. With, yeah. With how things have gone. That's um, quite true. That's a good point. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> and Brian Burns is a fantastic player. So maybe you just do extend him and keep him and make it work. But yeah. 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 So we'll see. Um, okay. And we talked about Mayo already, so we don't have to do that. The two, the two openings that are currently open do not have a head coach. Are the Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks? Of course, the Seahawks had whatever happened with Pete Carroll. Who I don't really know what happened, but something happened. He's going to the front office or whatever. I'm not really sure. Um, Putting him out to pasture. Yes, basically, right. Um, and so we'll see kind of who ends up there. Um, and then, of course, you have Washington, who just fired Ron Rivera. It seems like both of those teams are going to want young, new guys. Um, I could see Washington saying, you know, Belichick, not that he's going to go to Washington. I wouldn't, that one wouldn't shock me only because I look at, you know, a new owner wants to make a splash, new name, probably, hopefully, uh, we can hope at least, uh, but you know, I wonder, like, is it possible that he, you know, that he says, yeah, all right, let's make this, you know, let's let's have a Bill Belichick and and you know see if we can win in the NFC East. I don't know if they can, but let's see if they can, you know. Yeah, well, it's I mean, it seems they already came out and said they don't they don't want him, which is like the hire would make sense, but it really seems like Washington yeah. wants Ben Johnson, and that's the direction they're probably yeah. going. That's the reason the team right. leaves. Maybe they go somewhere else, but like, um. I don't know. Both of these, both of these jobs are like kind of weird positions. Seattle, I'm really not sure who they're going to end up with here. You know, I haven't been following those interviews too closely, and it's a weird situation all around. But kind of a decent org, like they always. The organization seems well run most of the time. So yeah, well, so, land on their feet. So here's the interesting to me, and, and Dad Skywalker uh, says Mike Vrabel to to the Seahawks, and um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen because. So my dad has been has been saying this to me literally for weeks since since the second Mike Vrabel got fired in in Tennessee. He's mm-hmm. been saying this. Taylor Kyles was was uh, talking about it on on Twitter today um, about draw uh, about Mike Vrabel coming in and being some sort of you know my dad called it basically like a bench coach right like a like a you know in baseball you have the bench coach who sits on the bench with the manager and kind of helps out. 
Um, and so he wouldn't be the defensive coordinator because you want to have a young guy do that. I think it's it's beneficial to have a Demarcus Covington or you know somebody like that to be your DC. Um, but you have him be like your assistant head coach. And so he's there, he's in the building. You know, they're talking about culture and they're talking about this and they're talking about that. And, and Vrabel's the perfect guy for that, I think. He's getting paid a boatload of money right now um, by Tennessee with his buyout. He doesn't need to get a new job right now. So he can stay a year at the Patriots, be an advisor or be, you know, whatever it is, right? Again, assistant head coach, bench coach, whatever you want to call him. And then next year, assuming the Patriots, you know, start doing well and people start talking about Fable again, next year he's able to go and and kind of get that job. So I think that that might, that to me, I'd love to see that because I think Vrabel is a great leader. And you talk about uh, Mayo being a leader of men, right? And I feel like Vrabel is kind of that same type of guy. I think it would be a really interesting match to kind of see what those two guys could do together. Um, you know, and then Vrabel could then move on and, and take a job that he would want later on down the line. You know, I think one of the concerns I have here is you want you want Gerard Mayo standing out on his own two feet here to a degree, and you don't want you don't want anybody looming over him. Right. You want him to be able to make his own decision. So as an advisor, I'm in, but as long as you know it's clear that Mayo is the guy in Freebull is an advisor. Um and you know I think you'd have to just be careful with the dynamics. I'm not opposed to the idea, but I do think uh, it's not you're not looking for help for Mayo on the defensive side, really. That's where he knows. If it was an offensive advisor, I'd say, sure. Uh, I'm all ears for that. Defensive, I'm a little bit more skeptical of exactly how much benefit you're going to get there. And you know, Vrabel can help with the organizational stuff. So if he's going to be your Ernie Adams type guy, then yeah, that's something I can get behind. Uh, but, you know, this kind of segues into one of the other things with the Atlanta job. If Zach Robinson goes there, Jeff Howe had said the other day that sounds like that could send Josh McDaniels back to New England. And I, I, you know, there's hesitation there and there's reasons to not be optimistic about that as a hire. But I think the thing that the, the best aspect of this is that Gerard Mayo is not an offensive guy and that's the area where he needs the most help. And for all the issues with McDaniels, he has basically run an offense for himself. Like he did that by himself in New England for a decade. That was like all him making making the calls there and doing things. Mm-hmm. And for all the issues with McDaniels, that as an offensive coordinator was something he was good at most of the time. It's not going to be some fancy offense. It's not going to be some it's not, it's not going to be the McVay offense. It's going to be different than that. But we've seen him drop offenses for different guys and different styles. You know, we know how much the New England offense varied in that time and how they had Cam Newton and made that work and how good they made Mac look in his rookie year and we know how Josh McDaniel seemed to do a good job with Mac personally, like on a one-on-one relationship type thing. So Josh McDaniels isn't the type of offensive coordinator that gets you excited and makes you say, man, this is going to be an elite offense, but he did do a generally good job coaching offenses in new England, good enough to get multiple head coaching jobs out of it. Yeah. And, you know, he, yeah. Was, he was the guy behind the air raid stuff in 07. I gave that credit to Belichick. But that was McDaniels who led to that. Um, Going yeah. to like leech about that stuff. He did. And, yep. and like the other part is you're not going to worry about him getting hired away somewhere else. So like 
if you draft the quarterback and things do work with McDaniels and have a good relationship, you can probably feel, feel confident that you're going to have that offensive coordinator slash QB coach with that quarterback for a decade. You're not going to have to worry about that. As long as they're good, as long as you're happy with their performance, they're there and you're not going to chase greener pastures. Yeah. I, the only issue that I have with that offense is that I feel like it's very, very, very tough on the receivers. I feel like the receivers have a hard time with it. They have a hard time learning it and understanding that. And I just, I, I just, I want something different for our skill guys, you know, and I want to have explosive skill guys who don't have to think about that stuff, who aren't, you know, bat, uh, football savants. I mean, Randy Moss, as good as Randy Moss was on the football field, and trust me, he was incredibly good, exceptionally good. He was insanely smart. He could diagnose an he could diagnose a defense in milliseconds. He'd walk up to the line and tell Brady, "Oh, here it is. Uh, you got me right yeah. here." Like he would know exactly what was going to happen before the play happened. And that type of stuff that's incredible, obviously. But you can't expect every wide receiver to be able to do that. And every wide receiver can't do that. And so it's like I don't want to have to depend on that to happen in order for my wide receivers to be successful. And that's where I feel like the offense that McDaniels has run is behind the times a little bit. And that's that's the biggest thing for me. So when people talk about you know the, the modern offense, quote-unquote, right, I'm not talking about some like crazy – I'm just saying like just make things easier for the guys. Make it easier for them. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I want. And if he can do that and it's not someone else, that's fine. I just want it to be yeah. easier. Well, I think that the toughest part, too, is that McDaniels and Brady were essentially one in the offensive room for a long time. And how much of that complexity was McDaniels? How much was Brady? How much of that was, was the two right. of them coming together and say, we got a superhuman at quarterback with uh, like a robot brain who can dissect defenses pre and post snap like this. And we can take advantage of it with, you know, a ton of sight adjusts and a ton of adjustments and new game plans every week and a huge mental load on the receivers. But it's okay because once they master it, it's like an unstoppable offense because of the decision maker that we have because we're never going to be wrong. Right, um, right. And yeah. that's where I thought 2020, excited, for as bad as the passing game was in 2020, you know, those receivers were atrocious. We're talking about Demir Bird being like your wide receiver one, essentially. That is Demir Bird. Jacoby Myers before he was Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry. That was your receiving core. Yeah. And with a quarterback who couldn't throw, and they had you know, good moments passing the ball. So right. things have not worked out in Vegas. Obviously, you saw the reaction there after McDaniels left, and that is highly concerning before mm -hmm. you bring him in. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the culture issues, if that's not a thing here, which I think you, you know wasn't an issue under Bill, it's a different leader now. That's a, yeah. something you have to be concerned about. If you don't have that and he is able to create a, an offense that is a little bit simpler and can work for um, getting receivers out there, um, you know, I can, I can get behind it. We don't know if the 2020 – I got to go back into my 2021 film study, but I don't remember that offense being particularly complex for the receivers. I thought it was simpler than what they'd had in – 2019 the last year of Brady like I thought they cut down on some of the stuff in part because they had a rookie quarterback and it was fine right so I just think if McDaniels is your guy you got to beef up the offensive line you got to invest more in the offensive line because running game is huge for him running this set of play action is huge for what he does they like a ton of different run actions and versatile offensive linemen and 
Um, and the last, the last part of McDaniel's here, and I can't believe I'm saying it, and I hope this isn't really part of their decision-making, but mentioned that he made Mac look good in 2021. We heard Gerard Mayo talking a lot about confidence at the quarterback position and how, how important that is. If they're, look, if they're looking at this draft and saying, we don't like any of the quarterbacks available, yeah, and they're going to sign a quarterback to compete with Mac, but they think McDaniels can maybe look make him look half decent while they look for another guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've given up on Mac. I don't think he's ever going to be a good quarterback. But if they feel like he's actually been good in the meetings, and it really is just an issue of confidence and a leader who he has a relationship with, like McDaniels, might bring something better out of him. And we talked about the lack of cohesion they've had on offense. Bring back a guy who people know could help. I, I don't. I don't know exactly where that leads you, um, and I think any any path to success for New England involves drafting a quarterback who isn't Mac Jones and developing him. You're not banking on him panning out, and I would still prefer you trade him. But I do wonder if they go into the into the season with a quarterback room of Mac Jones and Jacoby Brissett, and you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and whoever your top tackle is in the second round, and throw throw around some money in free agency. I do wonder where that gets you. Golly. I mean that's that's craziness, but yeah, I I get it, I know, and that's that's one of those interesting things. So look, I, I think uh, I like saying it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I heard uh, prospects was it prospects to pros had um, it was had uh, what's his name on Jim Nagy on, and he was talking about Spencer Rattler, mm-hmm. and I'm like, interesting, and I'm like, no, yeah. no, yeah, no, did, don't did do hear, it. No. Did you hear what else he said on that too? Which, by the <laughs> way, I think it's good to I think it's good to repeat for all the listeners here. They mentioned how I mean, they had a hard time with the senior bowl this year, but they mentioned part of it is that there's like no juniors coming out for the draft. Yeah. There's usually like over a hundred juniors that declare for the draft and this year. It's like 50. Yeah. These guys are going back to school for NIL money, which is great for player development and great for the sport of college football. But this year's day three in particular sounds like it's going to be a wasteland. A lot of yep. people were talking about how the end of this draft, there's not a lot of talent. And that's something I'd started to pick up on going through some of the guys. You know, I do cursory scouting, you know, look at big boards and go look at stats for these guys. Watch a highlight tape. Check out a PFF grade. You know, what's the deal on this guy? The number of day three guys where it's like, as a sixth-year player who's been mediocre his whole career, he's projected to go in the sixth round. And I'm like, what? What is up with this? That's not – I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not. It's not great. It's not great. And I think that that's, yeah, I don't know where we're, I'm not sure where we're headed. Um, and I'm not yeah. sure what's, what's going to happen there. Um, but goodness sake, man. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Right. But it is going to be interesting. And I do, I do think, um, you know, you, you talk about the, the, the rankings and I think the rankings going to be interesting to see how things change after the combine and after the, you know, after the, the, um, the two bowls, right. The, the, uh, senior the senior bowl and the shrine bowl. One this week. One's coming up, right? Yeah. I think the shrine bowl is this week, I think, or this weekend. No, ne- next week. I think the shrine bowl is next fe- week. Fe- February 1st for the shrine bowl. Yes. Yeah, so that's next Friday, Thursday, Thursday, next and Thursday. The senior bowl is February 3rd. The yeah. So, but you kind of see like, Things are all over the place. Like guys are guys are all over the place, right? And even especially like the tackles, the wide receivers. Like from website to website you go, and it's like you know, on PFF the guys ranked like twentieth, but on you know, PFN the guys ranked like sixtieth, and you know, so it's like it's funny, or like the other way around where some guys higher and some guys lower. So I think that you know that's going to kind of all 
play itself out as we kind of get closer. But I do think, and I also wonder, like, I know Caleb Williams is the number one guy right now. He's 6'1". Now, Mahomes only 6'2". I get it. But, like, is there a possibility? Is there a world where Jalen Daniels passes him? And Jaden Daniels becomes that guy that, like, you have to get him. He could be, you know, um, that he could be, what's it, uh, what's it called? That he could be the next Lamar Jackson, right? And I don't know if he can, but, like, that's one of those things for me that, like, I'm curious to see where that goes um, because right now there's a lot of questions as to what's going to happen there. So, um, anyways, but that, that's that. So, I just – I think that that's – that to me is is kind of – where we're headed, and that's what I'm excited about. Obviously, my mock draft is coming out on Monday, so I'm excited about that. Light Engine asked a question about do we know what the Bears are doing? Can we let's just really quick can we get into that? Because I think yeah. they hired an offensive coordinator, and I think that the offensive coordinator for me is interesting, right? That because was the Seattle guy, right? Shane it's Waldron. the Seattle guy, Shane Waldron. And I think that, you know, as much as Shane Waldron. See, to me, and this is just me, if I'm the Bears and I'm drafting a rookie quarterback, right, and I'm not 100% sold on Eberflus, and I don't think they are, I'm not letting Eberflus draft the rookie quarterback. I'm not letting him do that. That's just my personal opinion. If I'm drafting, if I'm, I have the number one pick, if I'm drafting Caleb Williams to be my quarterback, I'm I'm also hiring a new coach. Well, it's just, I mean, the whole thing, it's, this, again, right. the Bears were in this position. If you don't trust the head coach to make the quarterback pick, you don't trust him to be involved in that decision. Why is he your head coach? He shouldn't be involved then. You shouldn't, if you are if you don't right. think he's going to be around in a year, you, you just get rid of him now and reset the building now. Right. And and listen, you're not wrong. But I, I think, I don't know how you can watch the Bears this year and think that Matt Eberflus is the guy long term. I just don't know how you can watch mm -hmm. them and think that. And so I think there are still some question marks with him. And then if you draft Caleb Williams and it doesn't work, now you're in a situation where I'm firing a coach after Caleb Williams' first year, and now he's getting a brand-new head coach and a brand-new system and a brand-new everything. And that, and so I, I almost look at Shane Waldron and I wonder, okay, Shane Waldron gets hired. What did he just do? He just, in Seattle, resurrected Geno Smith's career. Could he come to Chicago and do the same thing with, with Justin Fields? And does, not that Justin Fields has to have his career resurrected, but could he get Justin Fields on the path that Geno yeah. Smith is on? Well, and I, I wonder if that's, if that's where it's headed. Well, I think he's very much stylistically a guy who works with any of the three names, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, or Drake May, if that's a guy who, you know, they end up end up getting into this conversation here for Chicago. Um you know, he's, you got the rehabbing an older quarterback there and Geno Smith and making that work. And it's an, an offense in Seattle that has been predicated on a lot of big plays and deep shots. And Drake May and Caleb Williams, that's both uh, huge areas of their game where you can take advantage of that with a young coach. Um, so, you know, I don't I don't think the Bears are tipping their hand here at all as to which direction they're going to go with quarterback. Right. I still do expect it to be. I'll put it this way. I don't know if the Bears take Caleb Williams, but I do think Caleb Williams goes with the number one overall pick. I don't think mm -hmm. it's not the Bears. It's somebody moving on. Um, right. But, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a weird situation there in Chicago. Weird vibes all around. And it feels like they're probably going to mess up the pick again. Kind of feels that way, doesn't it? It kind of feels that way. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm interested to kind of see where that goes. Um, but 
Nevertheless. And, and so, all right. that, so they have to pay Justin soon. Yeah, his I think they have to decide on the, the fifth year option now after this. I think season. it's like Mar- yeah, it's like March first or something like that. It's early. Before it's the before, new league year. Yeah, yeah. Before the new league year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And they and then and if I they think, don't, it would be up after the season. Like if you exactly. if they like Justin yeah. Fields, you can the Jordan Love deal probably where it's like you add an extra year but at a cheaper amount. But like Yeah, I suppose that's true. That? Like, I don't, yes. I don't know why yeah, yeah, he's in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And Thad says that uh, the Bears should draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers. That'd be insane. Um, but, of course, that means you're keeping Justin Fields, which I don't think is the worst idea. Like, imagine DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison, and Brock Bowers with Fields as your quarterback. That's pretty solid. I uh, think it's did you Did you watch the J.T. O'Sullivan breakdown on Justin Fields? No, I'm sure it wasn't I didn't, good. I didn't watch the whole thing. It was from their Week 18 game. And yeah. very early on, JT Sullivan had to say, hey, cover your earmuffs on this one. Don't let the kids in the room. Because he was letting it fly, just cursing out Justin Fields for some of his decisions. Yeah. Uh, basically, like, day one stuff that he was getting wrong. So I just if, – if it were Justin Fields as a rookie versus some of these other guys, it's a decision. But when you got a, a whole brand-new contract with five years on it versus one year or two years for Fields, yeah. reset the clock here and – I agree. Be silly not to. Even if you like Fields, you know it's he is a prospect now. If Caleb Williams played as well as, and I think you'd expect Caleb Williams to play as well this year as Justin Fields, kind of at a minimum with what you're getting out of him. So, well, you certainly hope so, right? I don't know if he will, yeah. but you certainly hope so. So, so we'll see. I don't know. It, it, yeah. There's a lot of question marks, and I think, and you know, as I said in my article on Pat's Bowl, but I think that the Patriots draft starts with Chicago. I think that the Patriots are at three. You have an interesting decision you can make, right? Do you, if if you can't stay at three, do you draft Marvin Harrison at three? Do you, you know, trade back and pick up a first round pick next year and something else, right? Something like to Atlanta. Let's just say Atlanta falls in love with Marvin Harrison Jr. And they're going to give you eight. 43 in their first round pick next year. Now, I don't know if they're going to do that or not, but they could. So now you move back to eight. You picked up another top 50 pick, and you pick up an extra first rounder next year. You draft you know, one of the offensive tackles or one of the other wide receivers at eight. Then you have two early second round picks. You can either package them both up and move up you know, for yeah. whomever or whatever, right? You trade your third round pick for, you know, for Fields. Your third mm-hmm. this year. Maybe it's your third this year and a, and, a, and a third next year or whatever, right? But, like, you you make that move for Fields. Now you have a quarterback that you feel like, okay, we're good at least for now. I, I don't know if he's the guy forever, but we're good for now, you know? And then we and then we see where it goes. But we build up the offense around him, and we, and we kind of do just, it that way. And so I don't know I if just, I love it, but – it's it may I not think, be a terrible alternative to drafting the third best quarterback at number three. I just don't know if I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. But, We're gonna see how this goes. But I, I'm just of the opinion that if there's a quarterback on the board who you think can be a franchise guy and you're skeptical about the guy you have right now being a franchise guy, you go take the guy who you think could be a franchise guy. Like I think yeah. you just you I think you should be very aggressive at the quarterback position. Um that's kind of my my feel for it, and I don't know. We'll see. 
we'll, we'll see what they actually end up doing. But I think Chicago would be silly not to take Caleb Williams and just just do the simple thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with you. So, yeah. I know, all right. I know we have our segments at the end. I, I have one more word I want to get in before we get there. Let's do it. Did you see what the Patriots posted on Twitter uh, yesterday, Wednesday? You talking about the uh, the O three team, the, the uncoached O three yeah. team? This is and here's the thing. I'm I I'm gonna give one pass here. I'm gonna give one pass here because I think there's a couple possibilities. I think it's possible that this. Well, for the context, Patriots posted a video with highlights of the O three team announcing like a podcast talking about the O three team without a single clip of Bill Belichick anywhere in it, which was yeah. very notable in like a two minute long video to not have a single shot of the head coach. If this was put together by the social team after seeing the amount of hate Bill Belichick has gotten from Patriots fans over the last two, three, four seasons at times, because they said he's not our coach anymore and we're going to try to distance him. And I didn't realize, you know, how this was going to be perceived by people. They get a pass on that front. Right. And if it was put together by the front office or they, they had saying this and their feeling was, hey, he's not our coach anymore. And as of right now, he's taking interviews for other teams and we love him, but we're not going to put him in our hype videos as long as he's coaching other teams. I'll give you a one video pass for that. Because right. maybe you missed, right. didn't realize how this was going to be taken. But as a fan watching that of this team, after what we saw two weeks ago in that press conference, it felt a lot like, you know, the ownership distancing them. And if you've noticed on social media, there have been a lot of positive posts about Robert Kraft and how cool he is yep. in the last yep. two weeks, which again could be an organizational, you know, reset. He is the figurehead right now. He's the longest tenured guy with the team. And it makes sense to kind of present. And he's, that way. And he's but, the owner. Yeah, it is his team, but you know, with the West, with the Wickersham article or articles that have come out over the last decade, it does make you question things about, you know, what the incentives are of the people involved in this. And mm-hmm. Bill, you cannot tell the story of the franchise of the New England Patriots without Bill Belichick as not just in it, as a main character in that right. story. That's correct. And I don't care. Like, it, I would not care if he's coaching for another team. Show him in that. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I haven't gone back and checked 2020 to see if they stopped posting highlight videos and clips of Tom Brady in them, but I doubt it. I, we doubt I doubt they ignored that entire era. Let's not do that right. with Bill. Even if he goes yeah. and coaches elsewhere, that's our guy and don't, don't remove him. Just if, right. you, if you want to show him less, you can show him less right now. If he's coaching for another team, that's fine. Don't entirely remove him from the video. That is so obvious and makes me have some trust issues with the decision makers. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, it's a good point. It's a really good point. By the way, someone had mentioned earlier um, they wanted us to talk to the Celtics, and I and I don't I don't necessarily want to talk about the Celtics, but I will I will give you one stat if you want to talk about how insane the Celtics were tonight. Um, and it's one stat that comes courtesy of Taylor Snow, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown just put on one of the best tandem two way efforts in NBA history. They're the first teammates in NBA history to log 30-plus points, two-plus blocks, and zero turnovers in the same game. That is outrageous. I mean, talk about, you know, and they won by, what, 30-some-odd points against Miami. Uh, They won by 33 against Miami. Let's see, Tatum. uh, Wait, 30? 
No, that's not right. Oh, maybe that was an old. That must have been an old stat because that wasn't from tonight. <laughs> that might I'm have been that. from the game. The game before. That. Maybe it was the game. Maybe it was the game before. Someone sent me that that stat because we were talking about how crazy the game was, and I was like, I hadn't been on Twitter, and so I was like, Oh wow, look at that. Nope. Yeah. Thanks a lot, you <laughs> jerk. Um, yeah. but you know, Tatum. I mean, you look at the scoring. I will say, the other stat I think was from which was I think from tonight. Um, was about uh, how many how many shots they hit, right? And I looked at it. They showed something about they were the first team. Were the first team? Um, yeah, the first team in history to have five players make three plus threes and three plus two pointers in the same game. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, no, and it's nice to do it in Miami because that place yeah. has been a house of horrors. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But honestly, not even that building. It's just been playing Miami. We've actually done kind of well there at points. Um, right. That's true. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you know, it's for as many issues as there are with the Patriots right now, and as many issues as there are with the Red Sox right now. It's nice that the Celtics are the Celtics and look dominant. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, obviously, assuming guys stay healthy. Let's, we're looking at Porzingis with an injury tonight, so let's make sure that's all right there. Right. You're kind of just waiting for the postseason to start now and waiting ahead because you're making it, and you're going to be the best team in the East there. You know, even if you're not the number one seed, everybody is going to know that's the best team. Um, if they even if they fall off a little bit and it's just, all right, make it through. Get back to the finals. And the expectations for this group are championship. That's where we are. That's yeah. And that's what they should be. This is right. not the best team, a top three team in the sport this year. Like, they should be in the finals, and they should be – competitive if not winning yet and the yeah. Bruins you know you lose Krejci and Bergeron and Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno and a whole bunch of guys yep and top of the Somehow East look better right yeah the win tonight in Ottawa so that's uh that's nice now the, this, the winter sports are are keeping us through here sure are they sure are so it should make for an exciting early summer um, we'll see what happens in the later parts of the summer, but the early summer at yeah. least should be uh, should be entertaining. Uh, no, with some, you, some I, we all know the feeling of like that first Sunday in October, the last last Sunday in September, when you get the that cool breeze come in while you're watching the Patriots game. I have a very similar relationship with when you when the first warm breezes start coming in in the spring and you're watching hockey and it's the end of the regular season and the intensity is yeah. ramping up. And I'm looking forward to that. You know, I yep. got the, the draft and all the Patriots stuff, but it's going to be nice. You know, this, I love the Patriots. I'm excited to talk about what's going to happen in the next couple of months. It's going to be toxic by the end of April. <laughs> it's oh, going to yeah. be good to have some successful oh, things yeah. to watch to step away from that. If you think Patriots fans are bad now, we're going to be at each other's throats by then and talking about what they should do in the draft. That's quite true. And TJ, TJ does make a make a good point that a lot of the people in here that are watching are not necessarily Boston sports fans. They're Patriot sports fans, um, yeah. but but not Boston sports fans. And so yeah, I get that. I do TJ, understand who are that. Your fans are? Drop it in the chat. Yeah, drop that in the chat. Who who your who your other teams are? Um, yeah. But unfortunately, you're gonna have to listen to it because. I'm not <laughs> certainly not going to sit here and talk about Philly unless you know they're losing. So, uh, yeah. so you know, but nevertheless, um, all right. So let's let's get into our final few segments here. We, we're running long, surprisingly, um, and so let's let's get into our final few segments. Uh, as always, uh, yeah, let's do the predictions. First. Yeah, let's do the predictions. So last week we talked about it already um, on Monday. Did we no Sunday. 
Uh, I went one and three. You went three and one. Uh, I just had a terrible week. I, you know, whatever. That's to be expected at this point. And so you were looking at the lines. I think we both know who we're picking anyways, no matter what. Um, Yeah. But, oh, and Skinny Pete says that he's a uh, San Antonio Spurs fan, and that's awfully nice. He is so much fun to watch. The wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man at center. (laughs) So much fun to watch. Our our lines for Sunday. Should we start start in the AFC AFC championship in Baltimore for the first time since the Colts hosted it back in the day? Ravens, Chiefs, Ravens favored by three and a half points. Who are you taking, Pat? I'm doing it. Ravens minus three and a half. I just, you know, I should bet the Chiefs because I want the Ravens to win. I wonder if I'm interested. I wonder if I can do that. Like, I want the Ravens, and I think that the Ravens and the and the Niners are going to win. Like, maybe I bet the Chiefs. I really want the Lions to win. But maybe I bet the Chiefs and the Niners. And then, maybe then the Ravens and the Lions will win, and I'll get the actual matchup that I want. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking. I just want we, – we already saw the Lions play both of these teams in the regular season. Um, I think the, the Ravens killed them in that Chiefs-Lions game. It could be fun to get a rematch of that, but, like, I just – it's less fun to get the rematch when the underdog already won. Like, if the Chiefs won the first one, and the, but it was close and the Lions were going for right. yeah. an upset and some revenge, that'd be more fun. But, you know, I just think – I want the two best teams. I want Ravens-Niners. I think that'd be a fantastic game. And I'm going to take the Ravens. I'm going to be honest, that's – I will engage with this just for a second here. The the whole Brady Mahomes thing that has somehow come up over the last week. Why this week? What about what Mahomes did last week is what put people over the top. Yeah, I have no he idea. He was great. Like he was he was normal Mahomes. He was fantastic on the road in the playoffs. But that was like that's what quarterbacks do on the road in the playoffs when they're very good at what they do. And this is what Mahomes has been. And like one of the reasons he looks so good is receivers finally showed up in the way that they haven't all season long. And I don't think that's going to be the case again. Do you think those, I just don't believe that these chiefs receivers who have been inconsistent all year long are suddenly going to do it two times in a row on the road in the playoffs in tough environments. I think last week had a lot more to do with that bills defense being incredibly hurt. And the reason it was as good as it was. And, you know, guys not being very good. Ravens are an elite defense. Yeah. And I just, I just think they're going to take it to them and, um, and obviously, the, the Chiefs will still score. You know, it's Mahomes, and they got really good offense, even with the inconsistencies. But Ravens' defense is elite. Offense is elite. I think the Ravens probably score on the Chiefs like the Bills did, and or more. And yeah. you're not going to have the offensive production from Casey. I, I won't be shocked if the Ravens win this by ten plus. Yeah, oh, and that's I really do think that, and I think it's funny because it works out. I think it's it could work out really funny in the fact that you could have a situation where all anyone's talked about all week is Mahomes, 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 and then you get into the game and they lose by 10 points, right? And it's like all we've been talking about all week was Mahomes, and it's like, oh, yeah, we've got the Ravens are actually really good. Looks like they're getting Mark Andrews back. They're going to have the two-headed monster with Andrews and Likely and Zay Flowers and OBJ. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name from uh, – who's the kid from Arizona State? No, not Arizona State. Um, Minnesota. What's the um, the wide receiver? What the hell's his name? 
Uh, Bateman, oh, Bateman. Bateman. Right. So yeah. they have, so they have guys, right. That like they have skill position players. Right. And so they're a good team. Lamar's a great quarterback. Lamar's probably going to MVP. Right. And so it's all these things. Right. And so I think that that's, that's the fascinating part for me is that everyone all week's going to be talking about Mahomes and Mahomes catching Brady and this and that and this and that. And all of a sudden he's going to lose in the AFC championship game. And then all the people, well, I mean, you know, he didn't have the receivers, and oh, he wasn't, and it's going to be nonstop excuse central, and I'm going to love it. So, uh, I just, yeah. I cannot root for the for the Chiefs. I can't bring myself to do it. I'm going Ravens three and a half. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And like the, the Ravens, for all the talk about it, like, like Mahomes is fantastic. Mahomes is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. The Ravens' passing offense has been better than the Chiefs' passing offense this that year. It really isn't that close, right. uh, which, again, does you know have to do with the supporting cast. It's a team sport. I don't think Mahomes suddenly got worse, but they designed a really good offense for Lamar Jackson, who's incredibly smart and an accurate passer and, you know, Right. to its full potential with some receivers who fit what they want to do really well. And then the Chiefs have injuries. Joe Tooney is banged up. Yeah. And that's going to be really tough for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. And I don't think – it's not the Chiefs, the Ravens. And I don't yep. think it's close. Okay. What's so, the other one? What's the line What's the line on that Lions game? Niners favored by seven points in the <sighs> NFC Championship game hosting the Lions. Which direction okay. are you going? Man, so all right, you know what? And I've I've gone back and forth. I'm going Lions plus seven because for for a multitude of reasons, I don't know if the Lions will win. I do think the Lions will play hard and will make it a game. Now maybe they'll lose by ten, but I do think it's close enough that they might win. They might only lose by five or four or even three. And I think then that's a situation where they cover, but don't get into the Super Bowl. Um, I think the Lions make it, a, make it a game. And whether they win or not is up for debate. I'm not sure, but I do think they make it a game. Yeah, I'm going to fully agree with you here. I have the Lions covering, but I think San Francisco still does end up winning. I think we saw that the that Niners defense has some holes in the running game in particular that the Packers mm-hmm. were able to expose last week. And I think that is something that the Lions are definitely going to be able to take advantage of. But I also think it's probably going to be just a little bit too much for Detroit on the road. I think there's just too much talent for San Francisco, even with, you know, even if Diva Samuel isn't, isn't playing or is, you know, 50% of what he, he usually brings to the table. I just think San Francisco is a fundamentally better team here. I think we saw, we just saw the Lions play two very, you know, we talked about, you know, everybody's reacting to the Niners just playing a, a close game and scraping out of it. We just saw the Lions do the same thing two weeks in a row and teams are close in the NFC. And I think this will again be close, but I think the Niners are just, you know, a better team here. Yeah. And I think you're right about that. And so Thad Skywalker just mentions, you know, and I'll, I'll throw it up here, but he's saying that, you know, you could see the Niners killing the Lions because if you rattle Goff, they won't stand a chance. The one difference about that is that I do think that the Patriots were able to stop the run in that in that game. I just think San Fran, like you mentioned, just got exposed in the running game against Green Bay, yeah. and the Lions have absolutely no problem just running the ball down your face. And, you know, and so down your face, through your face, I don't know, down your throat, whatever, however you want to say up it. Up your face, yeah. Right, up your face, right, whatever, right. So, so you know, but the idea for me is that 
they'll run it and they get no problem just running it nonstop. And so I think that they'll take the burden off of Jared Goff a little bit. They'll throw some of those quick passes to Amon Ross St. Brown and then run, 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 play action. And you're going up top to Jamison Williams and seeing if you can hit a deep shot, right? And and score quickly. So I think that those are those are the kind of the, where I'm looking at. I don't know if they're going to have a chance to win. I don't know. If, I'm sorry. I don't know if they're going to be able to win, but I do think that they're going to they're going to keep it close. Yeah, they might get blown out. You never know. But I, I think that they're going to keep it close, and they might even win. And so, uh, so I'm keeping my options open for the Lions winning because man, wouldn't it be so great to see the Lions in the Super Bowl? I think that'd be so awesome. So man, I don't. I just don't need to see Jared Goff in another Super Bowl. I feel like I've I've done that, and I'm okay. I don't need seconds. But you're not wrong with that. It's a different Jared Goff now. I do acknowledge that. It Um, is. Yeah. We'll say the the Niners' pass defense is elite, and they're at their best defending the center of the field, where the Lions like to attack. So right. You know, Fred Warner, I think, kind of becomes a, a huge piece in this game roving the middle of the field as a run defender and as a, a pass defender that's the guy the lines are going to be attacking and if they do it successfully they probably find a way to win this game but if fred warner makes enough plays if he's able to get a pick in there somewhere get his hand on some some balls and deflect him um might be a tough night for detroit so i'm excited to see how this one plays out i think we're going to get two entertaining games i think we're gonna have some fun storylines and uh, maybe maybe the NFL nailed it and ends up being Chiefs Lions and we get the same game bookending the season. That would be that would be something if they if they nailed it with a Thursday night opener. <laughs> yeah, that would be wild, wouldn't it? So, all right. Um, you want to do a trivia question and then we'll we'll finish with this week in sports history, right? Yeah, yeah. All so right. we got a got a fun one. Last week's question was about which Patriots head coach or no, not which Patriots head coach. I think Patriots head coach Gerard Mayo recorded his first career interception in 2011 against which former Indianapolis Colts quarterback? That was Dan Orlovsky. That was the the one near the Colts, you know, took a step back without Peyton Manning and uh, tanked to go get Andrew Locke. So yep. Gerard Mayo able to get a pick at Dan Orlovsky in the, that one. Congrats to Thad Skywalker. Who has two in a row now? Actually, a little hot streak going for Thad. Going today's today's question. Today is January twenty fifth, and the number twenty five is also the jersey number that this three time Super Bowl champ wore with the Patriots in his first stint with the team. Ooh, okay. Can you name which Patriot I'm talking? To okay, now? okay. Pat, do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, I do. I think I think people are going to be able to get this one, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll test some memories here. It's a Patriot legend who had a number and then left, came back. I would hope so. We'll a see. Number. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. By the way, TJ had said in there that he's a, he's a Blue Jays fan, Canadian, up there. So uh, that's his it's rough stuff. His baseball team. Oh, we got a AFC, not AFC, AL East rival. And if he's a track. and if he's a Leafs fan too, yikes! That's, that's I can tough. accept. I can tolerate you being a Blue Jays fan, TJ. Don't tell me you're a Leafs fan. <laughs> it's also just the devastation and heartbreak. I mean, it's just terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I for one, feel bad for you. A little four, yeah, a little four one joke in there, Pat. Oh, that's brutal. It's brutal. Uh, by the way, uh, Thad Skywalker got it. My, I will say, my dad did text me before uh, Thad Thad sent in the chat, so. Um, with the correct answer, doing... by the way. But okay, we'll do. Yeah, well, uh, it's your dad's not in the chat. Gotta... TJ goes, I won't tell you. Then he says, 
<laughs> hey, listen, I feel bad for you. It is what it is. What are you gonna do? You know what I mean? I do. I do. You, just, love, the Leafs, you love what you love, and it just is what it is. You know. The Leafs have had some like good teams too. Like they're, I do feel, I do like, I have some empathy there for the heartbreak that's gone on because the Leafs are, they they don't deserve to be this bad. Like they've been, they've had good enough teams to yeah. win some playoff series. Right. Right. Yeah. So right. time for, time for on this day in sports history. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I always, I always forget to hit the like "don't loop" don't thing because it just always loops back again. So. And now for something we think you'll really like: this week in sports history. Okay, so you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I can do mine first. Go ahead. Pull one from my ever trusty page day calendar Ooh, over okay, here. This okay, has made this okay. so easy for me. Going uh-huh. back to 1934. Oh, so the New York Giants had won the this is the baseball Giants had won the World Series in 1933. And on this day in 1934, player manager Bill Terry declared we should win again, citing uh, three of their uh, rivals, the Cardinals, the Cubs and the Pirates as their threats to repeating the feat. He was asked if their crosstown rival, the Dodgers, would be you know, somebody who could stop them. He said, the Dodgers, are they still in the league? And then later on that season, after blowing a seven game lead in September, the Giants were tied for first place with St. Louis headed into the final two games of the season against the sixth place Dodgers lost both games, losing the pennant in the process. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Some old school baseball for you. Okay. All right. A little old school baseball like that. Um, I have two. I have two. Uh, one is a double. One is a double, and so it's actually tomorrow, not today. Which I guess, if you're listening on podcast form, it is today. Um, but on January 25th, 1986, and on January 25th, 1997, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl in Louisiana. Oh, wow. <laughs> 1986, of course, to Chicago, and 1997, of course, to Green Bay. Uh, losing both of those games. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, both of those games feature a an MVP that was not an offensive player, which is rare. It's rare for um, for Super Bowls to not have an MVP of an offensive player. Of course, the Green Bay Packers, uh, the Green Bay game was Desmond Howard, Howard. Of course, do you know who the MVP was of Super Bowl twenty? Is it man? I'm an eight. Is it William Perry? It is not no. William Perry. No, no. Was he on that team, or am I getting? He that was next? on that team, and it's, and people, not people, but there's, there's a few people that are salty about it because he got a goal line carry when instead yeah. of giving Walter Payton a goal line carry, so Walter Payton never scored a touchdown in that game, but William Perry did, which is kind of silly. Uh, was uh, it was Dick Butkus on that team? Was that? I don't think Butkus was on that team. I think Butkus was there earlier. Um, was it a linebacker for the Bears? It was a defensive end slash outside. Yeah, I'm linebacker. not gonna get the name. Not gonna get the name. Then who is it? Richard Dent was the uh, was the uh, was the guy. Yeah. So no, he's just the guy that couldn't tell you what he looked like. I know his number was 95, but like I just memorized that. Of course, it's the Patriots, right? So I just I had memorized that when I was a little kid because I was looking through and I you know who won who won the MVP of this one and this one and that was a name that always stuck with me Richard Dent uh so Richard Dent was the MVP of that so um yeah 46 not a, not a good game for the Patriots didn't they score first and then not again or something they scored I think they went up three nothing and the and then they got absolutely annihilated the rest of the way so um 
but yes, they did have a lead. And also they did uh, make it. That's true. That's true. And also uh, today, Chad Allen must have been the kicker. So, but uh, also today on the twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five, Wayne Gretzky, who you talk about goats. Wayne Gretzky is the goat of goats um, mm-hmm. for hockey. For hockey, and he's the one that I think to me, you, there's no argument. I think there's no argument he's with Brady. I think there's no yeah. argument with Brady, but like people will argue it anyways. You you just you can't argue the Gretzky one. The stats are too ridiculous. Um, He's got so, his number but, retired everywhere. Yes. So 1985, Wayne Gretzky scored his 50th goal in the 49th game of the season. <laughs> so which is just so stupid. My favorite Gretzky, um, my favorite Gretzky uh, stat is that you could eliminate every single goal he's ever scored in his career, and he would still be the all-time leader in points, which is just wow. so stupid. So I mean, it's just the most ridiculous stat of all time. So. Um, so yeah, so there you go. Also, my dad points out that the the Patriots scored first and last in in that Super Bowl, so they went up three nothing. The Bears scored forty six straight, and then the Patriots scored a touchdown at the end to make it forty six and ten. So there you go. Um, not, uh, not, I believe the Patriots switched quarterbacks in the middle of that game too. From yeah, it started with Tony East and he went to Grogan. Um, yeah, which yeah. you know, if you're switching quarterbacks in a Super Bowl, the only time switching quarterbacks in a championship game has ever worked out was when Bama did it with Tua and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. So, and Cam Neely did do that too, my dad pointed out to me. And I think Nick Knapps in the chat said that uh, he did 50 and 39 at some point as well. And that also might be true. But this one was just for 85. Um, and it was, it happened to be on this day, which is why I said it. So, yeah. Uh, we're getting up. We're at hour 45. How's this turning into a two hour radio slot for us? <laughs> I know. I know. So, anyways, well, thanks guys for, for listening. As always, we appreciate you. We love you. Um, do you want. Do you want to do Monday again since my mock draft is coming out Monday? We can talk about the mock. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do a Monday night show. Um, all right. So let's do Monday night. We can we'll do a mock draft show on Monday night, kind of go through it. We'll we'll talk about a little bit of it and, and kind of go from there. And then um, so we'll do Monday night and then we'll do Thursday night again. And, and that'll be that. Yeah. All right. Uh, and hopefully we'll have some news on something. Maybe the Patriots will hire an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. We'll see what happens. Special teams coordinator. Yeah. Um, maybe a special teams guy. You never know. We'll do a little bit of a senior bowl preview next week since the senior hey, bowl. Hey, they did uh, sign, they bowl, did sign Michael Jordan since the last time we saw you guys. Great point. Get the goat back, uh, which is cool. So it's always fun. That's always a fun one with all the Michael Jordan memes and gifts and everything yes. like that coming yeah, out. For, the, for those who didn't see it, he's like a rotational backup guard whose yeah. name is also Michael Jordan, who they signed to a futures contract. Well, and that's the best part, that he's guard Michael Jordan. It's just the best. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, um, yes. so I love it. So anyways, all right, well, thanks, everyone, and, uh, and we'll talk to you on Monday night.